Hello, my darling, and welcome to today's story time. We have a nice thunderstorm in the background again today. If you like what you hear, please make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And now, on with our story time. Chapter 3 It must have been some imp of the perverse, or some sardonic pull from dark, hidden sources, which made me change my plans as I did. I had long before resolved to limit my observations to architecture alone, and I was even then hurrying toward the square in an effort to get quick transportation out of this festering city of death and decay. But the sight of old Zadok Allen set up new currents in my mind and made me slacken my pace uncertainly. I had been assured that the old man could do nothing but hint at wild, disjointed, and incredible legends, and I had been warned that the natives made it unsafe to be seen talking to him Yet the thought of this aged witness to the town's decay, with memories going back to the early days of ships and factories, was a lure that no amount of reason could make me resist. After all, the strangest and maddest of myths are often merely symbols or allegories based upon truth, and old Zadok must have seen everything which went around his mouth for the last ninety years. Curiosity flared up beyond sense and caution, and in my youthful egotism I fancied I might be able to sift a nucleus of real history from the confused, extravagant outpouring I would probably extract with the aid of raw whiskey. I knew that I could not accost him then and there, for the firemen would surely notice and object. Instead, I reflected, I would prepare by getting some bootleg liquor at a place where the grocery boy had told me it was plentiful. Then, I would loaf near the fire station in apparent casualness and fall in with old Zadok after he had started on one of his frequent rambles. The youth said that he was very restless, seldom sitting around the station for more than an hour at a time. A quart bottle of whiskey was easily, though not cheaply, obtained in the rear of a dingy variety store, just off Square, in Elliott Street. The dirty-looking fellow who waited on me had a touch of that staring Innsmouth look, but was quite civil in his way, being perhaps used to the custom of such convivial strangers, truckmen, gold buyers, and the like, as were occasionally in town. Re-entering the square, I saw the luck was in for me, for, shuffling out of Payne Street around the corner of Gilman House, I glimpsed nothing less than the tall, lean, 
tattered form of old Zadok Allen himself. In accordance with my plan, I attracted his attention by brandishing my newly purchased bottle, and soon realized that he had begun to shuffle wistfully after me. I turned onto Wheat Street on my way to the most deserted region I could think of. I was steering my course by the map the grocery store boy had prepared and was aiming for the wholly abandoned stretch of southern waterfront which I had previously visited. The only people in sight there had been the fishermen on the distant breakwater and by going a few squares south I could get beyond the range of these finding a pair of seats on some abandoned wharf and being free to question old Zadok, unobserved for an indefinite time. Before I reached Main Street, I could hear a faint and wheezy, Hey, mister, behind me, and I presently allowed the old man to catch up and take copious pulls from the quart bottle. I began putting out peelers as we walked along to Water Street and turned southward, amidst the omnipresent desolation and crazily tilted ruins, but found that the aged tongue did not loosen as quickly as I had expected. At length, I saw a grass-grown opening toward the sea between crumbling brick walls, with the weedy length of an earth and masonry wharf projecting beyond. Piles of moss-covered stones near the water promised tolerable seats, and the scene was sheltered from all possible view by a ruined warehouse on the north. Here, I thought, was the ideal place for our long secret talk, so I guided my companion down the lane and picked out spots to sit in among the mossy stones. The air of death and desertion was ghoulish, and the smell of fish almost insufferable, but I was resolved to let nothing deter me. About four hours remained for conversation if I were to catch the eight o'clock coach for Arkham, and I began to dole out more liquor to the ancient tipper, meanwhile eating my own frugal lunch. In my donations, I was careful not to overshoot the mark, for I did not wish Zadok's vinous garrulousness to pass into stupor. After an hour, his furtive nature showed signs of disappearing, but much to my disappointment, he still sidetracked my questions about Innsmouth and its shadow-haunted past. He would babble of current topics, revealing a wide acquaintance with newspapers and a great tendency to philosophize Incentious village fashion. Toward the end of the second hour, I feared my quart of whiskey would not be enough to produce results, and was wondering whether I had better leave old Zadok and go back for more. Just then, however, chance made the opening which my questions had been unable to make, and the wheezing, ancient's rambling took a turn. This caused me to lean forward and listen alertly. My back was toward the fishy-smelling sea, but he was facing it, 
when something or other had caused his wandering gaze to light on the low, distant line of Devil Reef, then showing plainly and almost fascinatingly above the waves. The sight seemed to displease him, for he began a series of weak curses which ended in a confidential whisper and a knowing leer. He bent toward me, took hold of my coat lapel, and hissed out some hints which could not be mistaken. As the old man's whisper grew fainter, and I found myself shuddering at the terrible and sincere portentousness of his intonation, even though I knew his tale could be nothing but drunken fantasy. He talked for ages and ages, until he faltered, mumbled, and lapsed into a moody and apprehensive silence, glancing nervously over his shoulder and then turning back to stare fascinatedly at the distant black reef. When I spoke to him, he did not answer, so I knew I would have to let him finish the bottle. The insane yarn I was hearing interested me profoundly, for I fancied there was contained within it some sort of crude allegory based upon the strangenesses of Innsmouth and elaborated by an imagination at once creative and full of scraps of exotic legend. Not for a moment did I believe that the tale had any real substantial foundation, but nonetheless, the account held a hint of genuine terror, if only because it brought in references to strange jewels clearly akin to the malign tiara I had seen at Newburyport. Perhaps the ornaments had, after all, come from some strange island, and possibly the wild stories or lies of the bygone Obed himself rather than of this antique topper. I handed Sadok the bottle, and he drained it to the last drop. It was curious how he could stand so much whiskey not even a trace of thickness had come to his high, wheezy voice. He licked the nose of the bottle and slipped it into his pocket, then beginning to nod and whisper softly to himself. I bent close to catch any articulate words he might utter, and thought I saw a sardonic smile behind the stained, bushy whiskers. Yes, he was really forming words and I could grasp a fair portion of them. Until he stomped again, and from the look in his watery blue eyes, I feared he was close to a stupor after all. But when I gently shook his shoulder, he turned on me with astonishing alertness and snapped out more obscure phrases. He rambled on and on. The watery blue eyes were almost savage, and maniacal now, and the dirty white beard bristled electrically. Old Zadok probably saw me shrink back, for he had begun to cackle evilly. The old man was getting hysterical now, and I began to shiver with a nameless alarm. He laid a gnarled claw on my shoulder, 
and it seemed to me that its shaking was not altogether that of mirth. And then he rambled again and again, and his words seemed less like words. Eventually, Zadok was showing signs of fright and exhaustion, and I let him keep silence for a while, glancing apprehensively at my watch. The tide had turned and was coming in now, and the sound of the waves seemed to arouse him. I was glad of that tide, for at high water the fishy smell might not be so bad. Again, I strained to catch his whispers. He was speaking of a horde, somewhere in Manuext, a proclamation of treason. And then he was panting and perspiring profusely. His grip on my shoulder tightened. He spoke of a morning, of worship, of death, Dagon. There were sacrifices of strangers. And then he spoke in tongue. Old Zadok was fast lapsing into stark raving, and I held my breath. Poor old soul. To what pitiful depths of hallucination had this liquor, plus his hatred of the decay, alienage, and disease around him, brought that fertile imaginative brain. He began to moan now, and tears were coursing down his channeled cheeks into the depths of his beard. He was so scared as he spoke, he called out to God over and over of the civil war and other deaths there, and Dagon again. I was confused by his references to child sacrifices. The sound of the incoming tide was now very insistent, and little by little it seemed to change the old man's mood from maudlin tearfulness to watchful fear. He would pause now and then to renew those nervous glances over his shoulder or out toward the reef. And despite the wild absurdity of his tale, I could not help beginning to share his vague apprehensiveness. Zadok now grew shriller and seemed to be trying to whip up his courage with louder speech. He screamed of the Order of Dagon over and over, and of sacrifices, turning the old people crazy. He was really screaming now, and the mad frenzy of his voice disturbed me more than I cared to admit. He yelled at me, as a young feller, on the streets, asking him to speak of devils. The hideous suddenness an inhuman frightfulness of this old man's shrieking almost made me faint. His eyes, looking past me toward the malodorous sea, were positively starting from his head, while his face was a mask of fear, worthy of Greek tragedy. His bony claw dug monstrously into my shoulder, and he made no motion as I turned my head to look at whatever he had glimpsed. There was nothing I could see, only the incoming tide, with perhaps one set of ripples more local than the long-flung line of breakers. 
but now Zadok was shaking me, and I turned back to watch the melting of that pure frozen face into a chaos of twitching eyelids and mumbling gums. Presently, his voice came back, albeit as a trembling whisper. Get out of this town, son. Run for it, he said. Another heavy wave dashed against the loosening masonry of the bygone wharf and changed the mad ancient's whisper to another inhuman and blood-curdling scream. Before I could recover my shattered wits, he had relaxed his clutch on my shoulder and dashed wildly inland toward the street, reeling northward around the ruined warehouse wall. I glanced back at the sea, but there was nothing there. And when I reached Water Street and looked along it toward north, there was no remaining trace of Zadok Allen. He was gone. And this, my darling, ends our story time for today. As always, I hope that you have very sweet and creepy dreams. Good night.